You're there. Yeah, that's right. I had to work with my little thing there. Sometimes I forget how that works. Okay. Are we on air? Yeah, we're live. We uh, got actual listeners. We have uh, quite a few listeners. Uh, All right. So uh, we got uh, uh, 31. Yeah, yeah. You said uh, uh, yeah. We just put up 37. Goyfire 37, and we completed oh, yeah. 38. We 38 is not produced yet, but 37 is out today. So. Uh, 38's in the bag. That means it's taped, but not produced or not edited. And uh, we'll tape another. We'll tape 39 next Sunday. But yeah, hope you guys are enjoying your Labor Day. Yeah, <laughs> weekend. Oh, I had a message from uh, Byron, and he wanted to know what was that first song we played. Uh, that was Jenny C. Riley, uh, and she did a bunch of uh, kind of country songs like that in uh, the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I recall, I don't. Do you do you recall uh, uh, that vaguely? That was Harper Valley PTA, and uh, uh-huh. there was a, a movie of that name. I assumed the movie. Did the movie come after the song? Yeah, and I, I don't mm-hmm. remember much about the movie, but um, as proto-feminist crap. Was oh, like, was it really? I, I suspect it was. Because why was she challenging the the PTA? No doubt the PTA was a bunch of uh, fundamentalist Christian prudes. <laughs> I have every every reason to believe. Yeah, that that could that could have well been, uh, but it was one of those songs we used to listen to back. Yeah, in those it's not days. a bad song. And uh, yeah, I, I hadn't looked at it that way. I guess you're right. I'm and, guessing that's what it is. Uh, I vaguely, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they don't make anything rural without pushing that theme, as you well know. <laughs> I I don't know about your Alex, or your family, Alex. We used to take. Uh, I think your family was kind of into sports, but my dad liked to hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used, yeah. we used to go hunting all through the West, mm-hmm. uh, pheasant hunting, uh, deer hunting, and uh, we had a, a GMC pickup. We had a camper on it, and uh, uh, it, it, those were those were great days. And I tell you, the West back in those days uh, in the Western United States were were wide open, and uh, and there was no trash out there, and uh, it, it was it was nice. And mm-hmm. uh, it was, uh, I imagine it's still like that in a lot of places. Well, there's still lots of good hunting around. I mean, there's uh, there's all kinds of turkey hunting up here in Adair County. Where I suggested on the Kirksville Today blog that they build a three-foot, three-story tall turkey, a la the mode of the casinos out west, you know, the cowboy pointing and that thing like they used to have in Wendover, which is where Utah hits Nevada, and uh, pointing people that this is the place. 
for hunting turkeys and fix it in their minds. And I suggested that at the local, uh, uh, they get the place where they give you the, what is it, the community uh, center where they give you the maps. Right. But uh, um, I don't know. I don't think it will happen. But Oh, they have. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Adair County, where turkeys make the difference. <laughs> uh, you know, all these That's people. better than people, isn't it? Come on. Mm-hmm. All these people that run these towns, they all want to be slick and, and, uh, you know. We've got to bring more jobs here. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to grow the economy by any means necessary. Do you have a Walmart in Kirksville? Oh, we have a super Walmart. Oh. <laughs> like a regular Walmart, is said bigger. It can contain 30% more Mexicans. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, those people are so goddamn filthy. I mean, uh, you know, I go down to, uh, uh, I go down to Texas uh, at least once a year down to South Texas, and they got a Walmart down there. And I mean, uh, you have to really watch every single thing that you buy in a Walmart that is frequented by Mexicans because they will fucking dip into anything. And uh, God damn it, if some uh, liquid that I purchased was not, uh, upon closer inspection, about one third consumed. I'm not kidding you. What? And you'll find you'll they will like open open bottles and drink stuff on the shelves, or they'll uh, they'll open shit and just try it on, or they'll open stuff and eat some of it. And to them, uh, seeing a stocked, uh, I guess it's that unusual, but essentially they regard it as a, a feeding trough or a, a open air eating zoo. You know, my first they regarded they regard a Walmart as essentially a buffet full of comestibles and comestibles. And, uh, you know, things you can wear. And uh, they have absolutely no shame about taking and grabbing and stealing whatever they want. My first experience with that race, and and, and as I said, I, I grew up uh, right here in the Midwest, and it was very homogenous, very white here. And I took a, a trip down to uh, El Paso uh, out of my own curiosity, and and uh, I stopped by the river there, and, and there were these Mexican kids uh, swimming in the river, and they swam across and talked to me, and I just thought, you know, this is you're just, you know, sweet, harmless little zoo creatures, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, by God, one of them reached in there and stole my camera, uh, reached in my car, stole my camera right out of the cars, and went across the river and started just playing with it. And uh, you know, I thought, God, you know, there's no way in hell am I going to try to chase a- after them, and especially if I go over the other side of the river, you know, who knows what will happen to me. Mm-hmm. And there was actually uh, an American guy. Uh, like a, a water department person that was inspecting something, he said, you know, just, just forget about it because you go over there, you'll never come back. Well, they're and, shit people. Yeah. And so are the so-called fucking Native Americans. They will they will steal stuff, too. Well, that's who the Mexicans Plenty. are, really. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're the, uh, the things that were here after they killed off the whites who were here. You know, and in speaking on that front, <clears throat> on that most unnatural segue, I just got a little letter in here from actually from Theseus uh-huh. relating to Kennewick Man. And this is, remember, Kennewick Man is one of a collection of nine to 10,000-year-old skeletons that are kept in different uh, little museums in the, in the U.S. These are people who are found out west or other places, skeletons that are that old, that are non-Indian. Mm. And the Indians are trying to pass a law to make them like every other skeleton found that they're immediately turned over to the Indians because, you know, the spirits of their ancestors would be bothered if they didn't have these things rather than the scientists just try to learn something from them. But anyway, he writes, Hi, Alex. I was just listening to Goyfire 37 in a conversation about Kennewick Man, and I thought I would pass along a point of interest. 
for a while I was going to major in anthro, and I even got close enough to where I got familiar with what was going on in that, quote, industry. In short, Kevin McMahon is but one piece of the overall scandal that has led only the brave and honest researchers to exclaim, Iberia, not Siberia. That is, the people didn't, this is me, they didn't come over from Asia. And so they did, but but they may have come earlier from Iberia, being Spain and Portugal, that peninsula. They came mm. from there rather than Siberia. He says, there has even been a bit of Soviet-style disinformation related to the whole thing, which I heard you mention. It is given but a, pass, a brief passing in actual journal articles on the discovery of pre-ancient Caucasoids in the Americas, but news services seem hell-bent on playing up the relationship between Kennewick Man's skull and that of the Ainu Polynesians on Hokkaido Island. It is a red herring. Kennewick Man's skull seems related to Ainu because they are both Caucasoid, yet the news services set up an intentionally false and misleading distinction by saying Kennewick Man could be, quote, a white guy or a Polynesian. Uh, God forbid average whites find out that civilization and invention exists at the to the extent to which Indo-Aryans were present. That might create the heroic narrative Hitler was pretty much correct in writing about. All the best, Theseus. And, uh, yeah, Time did a big, uh, somebody sent me a copy of a Time article. God knows I would never buy a Time. Uh, and rarely read them, but uh, uh, focusing on Kenwick Man, and that was pretty much the, they introduced that Iberia, not Siberia, and like, uh, as I recall, the last two or three paragraphs of a multi-page spread, and then they, they uh, basically wrapped it up by claiming he was basically Polynesian. So they do not want, at all costs, they must maintain the fiction that the red man slash yellow man, uh, orange man, let's call him, was here before the white man. Because that would destroy so much of the uh, the underpinning of their ideology that everything is cultural and whites are historically guilty for killing these people off. But the, the Kennewick man and the other ones, the spirit cave uh, mummies, spirit caves in, I think, Nevada, these all seem. Kennewick Man was in Washington. The Spirit Cave were in Nevada, and there's another, I think, a female that they found up in Idaho. I did a bunch of research for this actually, uh, which I still have, and may someday be turned into a film if we get the right people to do it. But it would be a, envisioning a very grand scale, uh, multi-hour documentary on uh, on uh, anthropology. Which and and he, this is another thing I've said before. Maybe I'll bring it out a, a little bit here. Did you do the research, Alex? Is that what you said? <clears throat> I did that, yeah, but okay. th this is what I'm saying. I, I come, as I've said, from intellectual conservatism. That means not not the patriotic flag-waving, which wasn't so prominent when I came of age as a, say, 16 to 26-year-old, but mm -hmm. from genuine intellectual conservatism, I think you did too, Jeff, reading yes. National Review and American Spectator and learning who serious writers were and who were the people they respected and, and reading their books, and that's how you grow up when you're an, an intellectual type. And so... What I didn't get, but which ought to naturally comprise a large part of conservatism, is the, the physical anthropology, anthropological background of our people. Because if you're conserving what, if not the people and their history, this is part of it. This is the part that the Jews who have come in and taken over conservatism have ripped out. But it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. So in researching this, yeah, I researched it, but I was educating myself because I didn't know any of it. Because I never read it, and it's you know I I dealt with politics and international relations and stuff when I was in college, which is pretty light stuff compared to the Kennewick man, which is fascinating. So that's one great attraction that you know talk about white people's creativity. I, I find that simply that the knowledge of of the past, the anthro the physical anthropology, uh, placing our development in, in a uh, not just a a chain of ancestors, but a whole eons and and uh, of physical age 
Yes. And just to see how things developed and to see, gee, there, there were white men in the Americas 10,000 years ago. And, and you, it, it, it's just part of questioning everything. You know, Columbus came here in 1492. We applaud his bravery. But, geez, turns out Leif Erikson and a bunch of the Nordics were over here long before that. Oh, geez, turns out there were these other people who were over there way before that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're thinking, what else? Just like the stuff about Pluto and the Sobercon that I published in letters, what else that we know just ain't so? You know, you must be very suspicious about what you think you know. How do you how do you really know that you know it? Well, just briefly on this topic of intellectual conservatism, and uh, before World War II, uh, what was conservatism? Uh, what came after, and what, bef- what came before, what came after World War II in terms of conservatism is two totally different things. And and you know uh, you know before World War II, you had. Uh, you know all kinds of conservatives uh, like uh, uh, well Eliot and and uh, uh, and other people like this. The conservatism mm-hmm. of the 1930s is most approachable to us. And you know you had them talking about race and evolution and eugenics and and all kinds of things. But you know what's curious is that so did the left and a lot of uh, a lot of people on the left before World War II. Uh, and the non-communist left, I must say, kind of the progressive left, mm-hmm. uh, they also talked about eugenics. Sure uh, they and they did. talked about these things in, in, you know, as something that, yeah, we need to think about and implement. And none of this uh, mad egalitarian, racial egalitarian, that wasn't in you know, conservatism any more than it was in the non-communist left. No, and, and today the conservatives will abuse Margaret Sanger as, as the yes. lead on that front for the racial aspect of her uh, Planned Parenthood policies. But to her, it was just self-evident. Look, you you let these niggers breed, and it, with Jesus Christ, we have the perfect example on page one. Yes, of uh, that was something forwarded. Uh, Mar, I think I got it from Mark Farrell, and somebody took a clipping of this 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 little nigger. Nicknamed Flair, who was killed at 25, and the, the the little fucker has had produced nine bastards by the age of 25. Is there one white man in the world who has done that in the last 100 years? I don't know. I think it'd be pretty hard to find. But yeah, he survived not only by nine kids, but you know, eight or nine brothers and eight or nine sisters. I mean, it's almost almost I exaggerate barely. And my point was that Margaret Sanger was said, you know, you let the bad people outbreed. The the good the low level after a while you're gonna you're gonna have that's that's Africa yeah I mean even you could even do it with dumb white people and you have the same result if if you have you know you, you have to have a context otherwise even IQ itself isn't going to help you except over an extremely long time you know if you, if you don't you may say well Joe's a real smart guy he's got an IQ of 156 but if he's living among people who've never developed a written language or a road it ain't going to do him much good is it I mean, so so we worked really hard over time to develop the kind of people that could figure out solutions to problems and control their urges long enough to build an actual civilization. Well, that can all be dragged down. I mean, that can be dragged right back into the, the mire of the Negro. And if that ain't what's happening, you go out your door and listen. You don't even have to go out the door. Just listen to boom, 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 the, the, the fucking nig box. You got the Jew box inside and you got the, the nig box Outside in the cars driving by, till pretty soon you can't think. You can't maintain a civilization when you can't hear yourself think. Are you hearing? And that I would th- like to be quoted on that. Are you <laughs> hearing that stuff in Kirksville? Oh fuck yeah! Oh, and God. it's not it's not all niggers either. A, a good example is one day I've been walking a lot lately, just to uh, 
uh, just to walk around and, and uh, you know, Observe. you need to exercise. Yeah. It's very important, especially when you're doing computer work. You've got to exercise, otherwise you turn into a fat lump from sitting there. Yeah, and, and your you, productivity you get a better mentality. Things. It helps you. Your mind is, is, I don't think your mind is different. Your mind is just another part of your body. It's conventional to, to separate them, but physical exercise very definitely affects not only your mood, but, but how sharp you are. I'm sharper when I'm working out and running around and looking at things and, and sniffing things and wondering what's going on. It's all, it's all of a piece. So anyway, I'm walking around town. I hear, I've, I already wrote this, you know, stupid fucking nigger in a beater car, the kind of thing you see a million times a day in St. Louis, you know, just drives through and boom. And this is just, to them, it's ordinary. They're offensive to us even when they don't intend to be, and God yes. knows they intend to be most of the time. But even when they don't, that, that's their culture, listening to stupid hip-hop shit. And, and they got, the, what is it, the... the uh, the woofers or whatever the fuck it is that you soup up your car <laughs> yeah. so that it, it's basically almost bouncing from sound alone. Of course, they go the next step and it's all the hydraulics. But so he's driving around the square, you know, and everybody has to enjoy that. Well, most of the people here are are older. They don't want to hear that shit. I sure as hell don't want to hear that shit. Uh, but yet again, the the, the niggism is so intru is, is so intrusive and extensive that I mean, I, as I'm walking back this day uh from the, you know the bank the post office wherever i got to go to uh, to do my stuff uh the and everything's all downtown you know I, there's a uh open air convertible full of whites who are playing more or less the same music yeah. and two thirds is loud so even and and it's not just the whites who are going to TSU who play that kind of shit either plenty of country people are into the, the really the the nigger soundtrack has become the soundtrack of the white I hesitate to say working class, but the lower end of the working class into the outright criminal, meth freak, lumpen proletariat has been totally nigged out. That's what they play in the fucking clubs. Uh, any, any club that's not overtly like conservative, that's what they'll be playing there. And that's become nigger has become nigger is the new normal. Yeah, is 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 the hip hop is the global soundtrack for the new world order. That's their intent. Because if when you get into that shit, you're never going to go anywhere. You're never going to threaten the powers that be, just like in the George Carlin clip that we posted on the front page. I I have gone to really seeing uh, our comrades here on the forum and uh, so forth, seeing ourselves as an extreme minority, and we have to start acting as a minority and start, you know, uh, stop complaining about the larger white race because we're doing all that we can to awaken them and we can't and <laughs> yeah. you know I can't do much more I don't think you can do much more we're going <laughs> no, full bore but I can't even get on the forum I don't have any time and I'm doing I'm you know you're doing what you're doing which is an amazing amount I hope people appreciate how much um you know my name's out front and they associate it with me but I mean there's a lot of people like Jeff who are doing a hell of a lot of stuff and that's that's what it takes and and uh um yeah you're right you and and also you can't tie yourself to you can't. The way you and most of these people are manipulated through the mass media, which we do not control. If we did, many of them would come around. But we can't really worry about them. All we can do is say, "Here's what's going on. Here's why it's going on." That's more important because they don't get that from the Lou Dobbs who just keep wondering why the government doesn't shut down the border, but never dig into it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and that's the essential difference between us and Lou Dobbs conservatism. We know why the government. We know it's government policy to meld the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, public opinion be damned. But see, to that extent, the masses are salvageable. They don't want that melding with Mexico. But you know, from day to day, they're worried about their jobs and their families. So, 
we have to simply worry about ourselves and provide a more attractive model and grow our own communities and uh, um, uh, fight for keep fighting for to extend whatever power we have, financial and, and political, and in the end, uh, uh, do battle and win. But we can't, you know, where save everybody help. You can't do it, <clears throat> not without control of TV. I'm going to try to conference in uh, uh, Byron, and uh, let me see if uh, he just called me. Let me see if I can get him in here. Okay. Uh, let's see here. This is the first time I've done this. Uh, so, see now this. Here yeah, we okay. go. Here we hold your breath. Okay. Hello. Hello. Okay, you're there, yeah. Alex. Yeah. And That's Byron, is it? Right. Byron. Right. Byron Jost, the director and producer of The Line in the Sand. Yeah. 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 Say a little bit more than yeah, Byron. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're calling in the show. Well, I, I, well yeah, yeah. I did call. Famous in the music. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that uh, was connected. I mean, talking about like the uh, you know the nig boxes and everything. Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, when I just moved to Salt Lake City about a month and a half ago, and when uh, people think of Salt Lake City, they, they don't really tend to think about. Uh, they don't really think of like nigs. You know, it's not. You know, people think of like uh, you know blonde-haired, yeah. blue-eyed Mormons, but there's there's been a flood of nigs, uh, you know, into the city over the past like two years. I mean, the Catholics have been bringing in uh, the you know a lot of uh, Sudanese mm-hmm. and uh, Somalis, but increasingly, you know, we're getting a lot of like American nigs, and uh, I mean, just going back to like where you were talking about before about the, you know this. Um, you know, these NIG uh, sound systems in these cars, you just go, mm, tch, mm, mm, tch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's... You know, you know, you know, Byron, I, this is what I was writing about on Curseville today, is they're, they're trying to, the local busybodies here want to get these ordinances to prevent bars from allowing people to smoke. You know, right. and, and how, how ten times more obnoxious is nigger hip-hop? Than fucking oh, smoking in some fucking bar. Who cares? Oh, it's way more obnoxious. Yeah, it's way because it's totally unavoidable. Yeah, and it's everywhere. Well, I mean, I mean, case in point. I mean, I'm living in uh, downtown Salt Lake right now, and uh, you know, last night I, I, you know, I went to, uh, to go to the store to buy some cigarettes about like eleven o'clock at night, and uh, you know, there, there's these like two niggers hanging out in front of my building, <laughs> just hanging out in front of this car. Go to the store, I come back. They're still hanging out. Um, what are they doing? Yeah, what are they doing? What are they up to? Looking for trouble. And, and so, uh, you know, a little bit later, I went outside to see if they were still there, and they were still there. I mean, those guys must have been just hanging out for, you know, loitering uh, for about an hour and a half. What the hell are they doing? <laughs> That's you the know? thing. They don't. Niggers <laughs> don't do anything. They yeah. truly don't. But but, but, but they're, they're just hanging out there in the middle of the night, just loitering in the street, you know, in front of this like you know uh, souped up um, Cadillac. It's, yeah. Didn't they the have hell? to get to? Didn't they have to get to work the next day? <laughs> well, it was it, you know it was a weekend, but still, you know, what the hell are they doing? Like hanging out for like an hour and a half, you know, in the middle of the night. 
I, I've seen him sit on a porch. I mean, <laughs> people call a porch monkey like that didn't come from nowhere. I mean, I've right. seen him sit there, literally sit there like 10, 12 hours at a stretch, and you're like, what the fuck do those people do? They don't really do anything except wait for the AFC, AFDC check to get there for the woman and kind of watch the little bastard kind of run around in the dirt and maybe sell <laughs> some drugs if someone comes by. But they really, basically, they're just sitting there. Well, that, that was my impression. It was like these guys are like waiting on a drug deal or something. You know, I mean, well, you know, after, after, after about an hour and a half, I mean, they were gone. I went out and, you know, kept checking on on it, but they were definitely waiting on something, and and of course, I mean, you know, typical niggers, they just, um, I've noticed this about Mexicans, too, I mean, I mean, when you walk out, or, or, or if you get into their uh, field of vision, they just stare you down. Yes. For no apparent reason. They just stare you down. Yeah, they like to try to dominate whites yeah. where they can. It's just a really confrontational uh, thing that they do. They're like animals. They're they're uh, territorial. Uh, right. It, it's just obscene. That the 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 economists have a term for basically everything the nigger exudes is a negative externality. You know, you get right. to enjoy their music and hear their just apish, stupid ejacul- ejaculations passing for human speech. That to yeah. me was hearing them like yeah 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 yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's 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 not purely that they can't speak English. It's supposedly when they were slaves, as a, as a way of a passive aggressive way of getting back to their masters, they would refuse to enunciate, and that clearly has caught on. So I guess that was speaking white back in the day. Well, they they clearly cannot uh, um, pronounce consonants. <laughs> they don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't want to. Yeah. They and they they have a thing about. Uh, they also they like to hang out at like car washes, and like you said, they like to hang out in front of uh seven elevens and just kind of uh yeah, I saw this one funny thing when I was in uh, St Louis, just a, a couple of just nasty nasty fucking niggers who you could tell were criminals just by looking at them, and you know they're typically they're driving like a fifteen year old uh uh American sedan. And uh, and just nasty look. Probably had a pack of cools in the front seat, and they walk in. <laughs> the one, the one, he just and there's a cop going in the, at the same time, and and the the nigger just says something to the cop and kind of mocking him, not directly, but just, hey officer, you know, crepky that kind of thing. Except updated to modern nigger slang. Right. And he goes, how's it how's it going? You know, something like that. And the guy just stiffened. He's like, another day in paradise. <laughs> I mean, he was. And and you know this is this is the area and you got uh, on half these stores you got at the gas station they have to have glass that's three inches thick, right? You know you can't. That's become so much more common in America. The sight not only of these video cameras uh, on the post that that uh, do sort of a asymptote over the freeway, but also the, uh, the all the gas stations where you have to go in and pay before you can use it, and that's just absolutely a sign of a guarantee that tracks with spreading uh so-called minorities that are actually the large majority. Yeah. And and they're they're being they're being sicked on us. And and, and these whites are <clears throat> you know ingesting these you know you know these uh these subhuman values. Yeah, they are. You know, I I see that in like TSU students. I'll see more than once I've seen uh some white TSU students, a couple uh a couple of niggers will drive up or whatever and they immediately you can sense they start trying to talk to them like they're black. 
or right. they just they become artificially tougher and louder than they would if they were talking to a, a fellow human. Well, and in this way, the whole society is niggerized. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the whole society is, is, you know, the nigger mentality is is uh, assimilating mm-hmm. white Americans. You know, it, it's not the other way around. As no, the the what's Gresham's theory of money? The bad money drives out good money. Right. So, well, it, that works for pretty much anything. The low, but strong, strong in the sense of quick breeding and and you know just survives like a cockroach drives out the good. It requires more effort. Sometimes I think white people just got tired of being white. Yeah. Maybe the first maybe the first world war they just said fuck it we'll just live like animals like the fucking third world. And there's there's actually a line in uh, uh the feathered serpent by D H Lawrence where he's he's uh it's about this white divorcee is an attractive I think Anglo Irish type woman down in Mexico. And there's just one point. It's about kind of her interactions with some local race mixing with some local Indian chief. But it's basically about the White West meeting the meeting the Mexican uh, uh, third world scum. And, and there's just some line about how if you let these people, they will drag you back down in the mud in an instant. And oh, he, he just has that through a couple little Mexican girls just laughing at this white woman for something white that she did. And we're, and we're fools to allow it. That's what's happening throughout the entire country. I mean, we're becoming assimilated. They are assimilating us. They're uh, not yeah. assimilating them. A- absolutely. Yeah. And the whole all TV is geared that way, and that's that's the main influence. And after that, music outdoors, and then the politics is completely Judaic. You know, they, these assholes are beating the war for. We should throw that in here. They're beating beating the drums for war in Iran and you anybody listening to this if, if you have relatives you've got to tell them to stay the hell out of the army you do not want to go fight and die for Israel and they're they're going to i think they're feeling fairly desperate and bush has got about 2 years left and they're 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 absolutely hyping Iran as though he's Hitler in Germany when Iran is effectively powerless they don't have any nuclear weapons and they well, are, you, remember back, you remember back during Gulf War One, they were you know hyping uh, mm-hmm. Saddam Hussein as being Hitler, you know, trying to take sure. over the uh, you know the whole region by annexing Kuwait. Back just, in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it just always goes back to Hitler, and, and it doesn't yeah. matter how weak and defenseless this country is, they're going to call it Hitler and say that we <laughs> Hitler, need to destroy Hitler, it. Hitler. Yeah. God, you know. you'd think that you know even your average lemon couch potato would get tired of the Hitler thing, you know. Hitler's in Sudan, Hitler's in uh, Serbia, Hitler's in Iraq, Hitler's in Iran. It, it, you, know, you would think that you know something might click in, in their head and say, what, what is this deal? Why, why is everyone Hitler? It's hard not to get disgusted with the American people. And yeah. say, even even though there is a, everything is propaganda, I mean, come on. How dumb do you have to be that they're trying to pull the same trick on you that they pulled you know, a year ago? They're not even waiting a decade between major wars. They're just... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we lied about weapons of mass destruction, but don't let that fool you. This Amadina is, is the new Hitler. He really is. This time, I absolutely mean it. Okay, folks. Well, they, well, they, you know, the, the, the ironic thing is, is that uh, you know by weakening uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, you know that's enabled Iran to to pursue its regional goals. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's because of this, uh, you know, Zog intervention that Iran has rose to to regional prominence. And, yeah. yeah, through the strengthening of the, the they they got rid of Saddam, and essentially Saddam was a, a 
maybe he was Muslim, but he was he was not a radical Muslim. Well, he, well, he, he, he was. I mean, I mean, the uh, you know, the Baathist party is it's it's a secular pan Arabist party. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It's not religious at all. And so it wasn't all it wasn't all freaked out like the jihadists right. and the Shia. And now those people are strengthened, as as Byron said, by the uh, decapitation of Saddam. Exactly. And so essentially, they need to find another Saddam. Yeah. To to replace it, which they aren't having any luck doing. Well, the other Ba'ath Party stronghold is uh, Syria. Mm-hmm. Which so they're also trying one. to destabilize, you know, verbally, yeah. and then uh, oh, or, and some of the neocons are saying they should have gone after them directly. It's just lies compounded with lies. Yeah. We've got no interest over there. It's cost us a huge... What did I read the other day? Some, It's in the hundreds of billions, the amount of money it's cost us right. to, to fight this asinine war. Well, they, they don't seem to understand, you know, <clears throat> unintended consequences. And they're supposed to be well, When you go in and, and do something, you know, it, it, it there's unintended and see, consequences and, and the unintended yeah. uh, consequences. Yes. In the Middle East, is like well, Iran has rose to prominence because you knocked out basically its two biggest uh, um, rivals in the region. Yeah, and see that's that's the irony of it is these are yeah. supposed to be conservatives, and the conservatives are supposed to realize that a it's very easy to be wrong, therefore we must be very careful in what we do. Right. But they didn't even give the first consent, and and this was predictable. I would I would even say it was a fairly logical consequence of. Knocking off Saddam is that, and and holding votes. It's just like in Palestine. Well, we held a democratic vote, and they voted for the people who hate Israel the most by the largest percentage. <laughs> what did you? Th- it's like, well, maybe I guess you could say they really do believe their own bullshit. That people, you know, if they if they follow their heart, really want to elect some kind of Jewish dictator rather than a Muslim or Christian one. Yeah, but 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 there's nothing conservative about the neocons. Oh no, it's there's just another a, mask for them. Yeah. Oh, for, it's just a continuation of. Global their, revolution, mm, communism for the stupid goyim, and world revolution. Absolutely, I mean, all yeah. this stuff goes back to Trotsky, and and you know, sure. these people were all radical leftists back during the sixties. So, okay, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's this. Uh, let me inter- interrupt the thing here. Sure. We have uh, we have uh, actually we have two people uh, waiting to, to get in line uh, to come on the show. And the first that called was James, and we then we have uh, for the we have a a, a Garrett. Hey, uh, uh, oh, cool. That, Great. That, so we have a, a new person now. Uh, uh, I've got... Uh, How many can Skype take now? I, I have a, 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 I had a maximum of four uh, plus me. So okay. it's five. So I think we can squeeze all five on here. Let me, bring in, uh, let me bring in James. He got here first. And then Garrett, when you're listening, if you're, if you're listening out there, you'll be hearing this in a second... Uh, you're in the queue, and you'll be coming on too uh, in just a, in a few minutes. Let James have a little bit of time to talk, and then we'll, we'll bring you into uh, uh, Garrett. Okay, let me find James here in, in the list <laughs> of of people here. Uh, oh, there you are, James. Uh, I oh. did want to say that the Harper Valley PTA, and this will show you the 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 speed of devolution. The scandal in Harper Valley PTA apparently was that the woman was single with a kid. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's a. This is thirty years ago, folks. Imagine where we'll be. <laughs> there won't be a goy fire in thirty years because we'll all be talking in grunts unless the whites take over from the Jews. I fucking assure you, man. <laughs> okay, hey, it's working. All right. Great. If, if you're there, sound off. Who's yeah. there? I'm calling Garrett. I'm calling James. Now they haven't answered yet. 
I can get off if you want no, to. No, 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 no. No, we don't want you to get off. Hold on. The, okay, James is on. James? Good evening, uh, gentlemen. Good evening. Well, very hi, distinctive voice. Garrett, I know when I'm hearing James. Hold on just a second, James. Uh, Garrett, if you answer the phone, just, just step up and start saying something. Cause, oh, here's Garrett. Yeah, uh, hello? Can you hear me? Garrett? Can you hear me? Yeah. Sounds yeah. Can you bell clear. Okay, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to have to uh, concentrate on not stepping over each other here because we have five people on the call. Is Byron yeah. on here too? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm still here. Okay, we're all here. We're all here. We made it. Excellent. Okay, uh, listen, you guys. Can I come back in at the top of the hour? Uh, at 11? Um, well, well, let's see. Well, yeah, 11 central. Time. Okay. Hope, yeah. All right, okay. Okay, we'll talk to you. <laughs> That's a short conversation. Okay. We'll talk to you. Yeah, now. well, I'm still figuring out Skype. I dialed you by mistake. And it's not Garrett. I'm calling from the West Coast. I'm visiting Garrett. This is Signet. Oh, you're Signet. Oh, okay. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Signet. Who do you, and Signet's writing for uh, Sunlit Heights. As yeah, we mentioned in the past. All right. Well, you want to yeah. come back at ten, or uh, if you ha do you have any topics yeah. you want to talk about? Top of the hour. Yeah, I have to watch Big Brother. You know, it's a reality show. I'm following. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm yeah, get a lot a... of reality on that. There, July box. <laughs> hey, listen. There's only one Jewish person left on the show. All the muds are out, and I th I think Eric is going this <laughs> week. Jew in the well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh. Be in the well. Yeah. Bye. Okay. okay. Talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, All right, good. Okay. Soldier. He he dropped. Okay, James. Let, let, what's your what do you have to say for yourself? I just want to um, say a happy, good Labor Day to all my uh, American friends here. All right. You know we don't work yeah. we don't work in this country. We're all on welfare. <laughs> we, we go outside and stand around by our cars. Yeah. And look for people to stare. I at. have a I have a question for for any of you. What are the roots of Labor Day? In uh, I think what the unions got it passed back mm. in uh oh, I don't remember the date. I might be wrong about that. What was the question? So, what, Labor Day, the origins of the holiday. Oh, I don't know. It, it, so we kind of have the sum, our summer's bookended by Memorial Day and then uh -huh. Labor Day here in the U.S. Uh, is Labor Day the official holiday for the workers? Yeah, but you know how it is in America. Everybody in America is uh, either rich or thinks they're going to be rich, and that's the, that's the orientation. But no, I'm, seriously, from what you said, I wanted you to expand on the point you made earlier when you were talking with uh, with Jeff about, you said no one in America really wants to discuss politics by comparison to England. And it, yeah. it, it, you said, you know, they do. You, is it really, it seems like to me you're basically saying people in America on average are richer than they are in England, and they feel they have more to lose. Is that right? Or, um, I was quite shocked because if you go to England or if you go into any um, pub in Europe, and within the space of a couple of drinks, you're talking about politics. Um, mm -hmm. But when I was in in the United States in America, uh, I went and obviously uh, I went into a few because the best the places to go where we meet locals mm -hmm. is the local hostelry, as we call it, where I'm from, the local sure. bar or the local pub. And well, I was quite shocked when I was in the States that, one, no one wants to talk about politics. Uh, it's mm -hmm. all about sports or going to the mall. Yeah. It's no, general. Or, 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 or politically illiterate in this country. Mm, I was quite shocked by that. All people in this country will know will be like Fox News if they're, if they're corporate types. And they, they don't, people, and people are very wary in America of, 
I, in fact, I think even the the French guy who came through here in the 1800s, I think, said it directly. Like, uh, like this, there's less real diversity of opinion here than pretty much anywhere on earth. Mm-hmm. He said something darn close to that. What what was his name? You know who I'm talking about? The the uh, uh, de Tocqueville said said something like that. And people are very afraid to express anything other than the going line. And it's not just political correctness. It's it's kind of a movie star type mentality. Yeah, where they I mean, always want to be seen as being friendly and nice to everybody. It's a middle class thing too. But I mean, you got more pronounced. You got more pronounced like working class and and sharper division between labor and management over here. It's it's always been more open and there's been more transition. So people think, yeah, yeah I'm on the low end of the pool now, but I'm going to go up. It's not so quite so class ridden, or it's not so quite so class and mobile as Britain at least mm. used to be. I don't think so. You mm. don't really have that strong worker mentality. But I think Labor Day was created by, I think the unions created it, but I'm not positive about that. Back in the 20s, if I had to guess. And in the public, oh. ha- in the public oh. houses in, in England, in Great Britain, I mean, you, as I said before, you go in there and you have a couple of drinks, I mean, you get the full, the full flavor, you get the full emotion of, of, of people in that area because the, the people in the local hostelry are from the local locale locality and mm-hmm. within a couple of drinks they're talking about they don't want to talk about sports they don't want to talk about going t- to the shopping center they want to talk about politics and yeah. and and how the country's been screwed over mm-hmm. well i think you, you get uh, in america you know it's a much bigger place you guys england's about 200 miles wide by about 800 miles and here mm-hmm. it's it's 3000 by i don't know what probably 2000 yeah. but it's a uh, uh you get you get it's it's harder to get I don't know I think it's just more spread out and you'll get you can get some talk about it you can get people to kind of agree on hmm. people disagree on the on the uh, Mex- Mexican invasion oh the immigration I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah they that's agree a with really you on hot that. topic yeah yeah right now it is but but sophisticated talk other than you might get some Fox News but that's about it in America yeah they'll they'll repeat what they read in Fox or heard on Fox TV and that's about it. Well, People just aren't really uh, politically savvy in this country. You know the uh, you know the people that call themselves uh, conservative don't really understand conservatism. No, that's I mean? definitely true today. In I fact, mean, conser- conservatism to me, you know, always meant was like you know less government control, less federal government control, more local control, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, that 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 just you know the people that call themselves conservatives, they, they don't grasp that. That that's not really a, no, they're, a, a they're, part of their values at all. They're stuck at the level of words and names, and and so they can easily be fooled when the content is switched. Yeah. So like Byron says, conservatism used to be states' rights and decentralization. That was a radical thing about America. The states could do their own thing. You don't have a tyrannical central government. But that that hash was settled in uh, the Civil War, and right. and the government took over essentially. Uh, every major decision comes from Washington, and the f- funds flow in there, and then they give them out in little grants to places like Kirksville to to buy their local supporters, and uh, right. it's kind of sad, really. Well, you know, the, you know, the big shout. I mean, you know, even in the uh, early '90s when uh, Rush Limbaugh started to get really big, you know, hmm. it, it was all about you know local local control, uh, keeping the federal government out of your business. <clears throat> and, uh, and 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 therefore you should vote Republican because Republicans um, you know have those values. But what, what's what's happened ever since the 
know, the Republicans have taken over. We've had, like, greater state control over everything. Yeah, they just, you're right. The stuff that conservative, the, the conservatives talked about in the 80s, they don't talk about anymore. Now that right. the, the Jewish neocons run things, it's, it's all waving the flag and power, and we can beat the hell out of anybody, and who cares that we're going bankrupt, wasting money, sending half our army or halfway around the world. Well, and, and there was and there was all this talk about uh, well, we need to um, you know deregulate everything, and therefore that will increase competition, which will bring better service and bring prices down. But that that didn't happen. All we've seen is like consolidation. Yeah, exactly. But see, you've got they just confuse things because it, Nixon wasn't conservative. Nixon got affirmative action entrenched in. Uh, yeah. Took us off the gold standard. Did all kinds. Of, same thing with Reagan. He talked a good game, but that's all it ever is from the conservatives is talk about how he's going to get rid of Department of Education and Energy, but he never did any of that stuff. The government just right. kept right on growing. In the right. old communist uh, lexicon, this would be, you know, they would talk about the dialectic, and this is just the dialectic. They're just moving us along the dialectic to to their communist ends, and you know that's it, exactly right. That's right, and you know, it's just a step. Uh, you know where they have the far left, and then some guy like uh, some guy like uh, uh, Nixon or Reagan will come along and say, "Oh, you know those guys aren't right, but you know what? I'll bring you halfway to their end." And then they just drag us through the dialectic uh, until they. And, uh, and Jeff, that's why we're we're revolutionary, yeah, and radical rather than conservative. We aren't content to lose slowly. We yeah. win. We win uh, on the airwaves. We win on on the web ratings and what have you. And we win people over. We don't want to lose. We're not interested in you know putting a drag on on leftist progress or progress towards communism. We're interested in overthrowing it. And that's your interest. Listening to this, and we w- we want to cut in Alexander's term, uh, Alexander the Great. We want to cut the Gordian knot. We're not going to try to untie it. We're we're going to take the sword and we're going to cut the knot. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's how we're going to uh, solve the riddle. And uh, is that, that going to be any sort of uh, – it's not, it's not that complicated either. Yeah, uh, you can't build nations. Nations come out of people who are related as one great family. And when that when that is not the case, as in America today, it ain't a nation. It's just a well, political and, district. And, and these, uh, you know, conservatives and libertarians, you know, they think, the, uh, you know, they think that uh, capitalism is, is the end-all and be-all. Mm-hmm. Of everything, you know that um, this is the uh, highest point of human evolution is you know having this like capitalist system. Okay. Yeah, and, and and they put they put money another money ahead of nation, and so why shouldn't right. they hire Mexicans at a at a lower rate than than whites, even if it screws up uh, the country, you know? Right. And that's all yeah, Republicans it, today on the domestic front. Yeah, they're all pro money. Yeah, it's, they it, think it, they're on it, the winning it, it, team. It, it, it's just money and 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 uh, you know the you know the free market and money's everything and uh, nothing else matters because after all, all all the races are equal right I mean that's mm-hmm. accepted by both sides yeah that that's the thing that's why the, when the conservatives accepted that you you are a liberal and a utopian when you say that race doesn't matter and every right. single public conservative agrees with that that's why you know Bush is out there if there's any difference between black and white it must be that old devil racism. We are the race. We are truly are conservative in the sense of having respect for biological facts and for policy limitations. There's things you can't do, and turning niggers into human beings is one of them. You know, yep. it's just alchemy Absolutely. by another name. 
Absolutely. You can't take the base metal of nigger and turn it into gold that is Aryan genes. It just doesn't work. Well, I, I, I think one of the best things I've, I've read on BNN is, uh, you know, one point is, you know, uh, niggers are only your wallet away uh, from becoming human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, we, there are trillions, literally trillions of dollars in that wallet, and it hasn't worked. Yeah. We spent, no. what, over, definitely over one trillion. We're on our second or third trillion. I think it's the second trillion of spending on social welfare, and it, it, it has utterly failed. It's not money that, that makes them what they are. It's genes. Right. And and we don't need to worry about them. We need to worry about ourselves. And the Jew says you're immoral if you don't want your community mixed with, with groids, and they take money out of your wallet, and they use it to through HUD to and look in your paper and see how many apartments and, and houses are HUD approved. That means some nigger can get in there and uh, uh, live there more cheaply on the government dime, which comes directly from you. Blacks are people who are too dumb to even... They believe that money comes from government. They don't understand that government can only take money from people who earn it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that seems to be the ideal sort of population for the new world order people who are Hold on, let, me, let me butt in here understand let me butt in on. here hey, hey garrett if you're listening stop calling me every second i'll, I'll conference you in when when, when i figure when i figure out how to do it so, so you have to initiate it right jeff yeah so so garrett i, I keep on sending okay. him chat messages and he doesn't okay he doesn't act like he doesn't know how to use chat and uh okay. and which is fine he may He'll not be it. familiar with, with skype but I'm trying to I'm trying to conference you in, Garrett. Uh, so if you're listening now, stop stop calling me because it's 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 hampering my efforts. Okay, sorry. Go forthwith. Yeah. So uh, uh, he's just excited to come to the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. So go go ahead and continue on. And I see he keeps calling me back, calling me back, calling me back. All right. Well, he may not be able to hear it at the same time. Okay. Um, I'm afraid he's going to bring down Skype too. Hey, I want. Yeah, I guess yeah. I made the point about uh, Harper Valley PTA, and yeah, that that was a uh, just. It was the fact that the woman was single was what that turned on. Apparently, I haven't seen the movie, but Kennewick Man is fascinating. We could talk on that for hours. But uh, what do you think, Byron? Some someday, uh, maybe uh, October Sun Films can produce a a, a, a big documentary on uh, just the origins, the the peopling in the Americas, or whatever you want to call it. Well, I hope so. I mean, it's a really ambitious project, and and it requires a lot of work from a lot of people. I mean, oh, absolutely. But it'd be it'd be a hell of a great thing for homeschoolers to know. Here's absolutely. the actual basis of 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 this continent. I didn't right. know mo most of that stuff until I, well, I started. They, they found it. the you know Caucasoid um, you know skulls down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so yeah, that there were people who were here before, uh, you know, you know the present day, you know, so-called so -called Native, Native Americans. Americans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So and and look, you know, and, uh, and, and they've been able to, uh, uh, to trace the technology back to the Iberian Peninsula. That's it. The Clovis spear points yeah. that match the best that have been found all over North America best match spear points made in I think Clovis is a place in France. And if not right. France, it's in Spain. It's it's somewhere there in the the Mediterranean, Iberian Mediterranean. I, I, I think it's in Spain, it. um, and and they mm -hmm. couldn't find this technology anywhere in Siberia, um, you Asia. know, to, to you know, to yeah. support this uh, 
you know, you know this mass migration uh, from from Asia to North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty fascinating stuff. And basically, what you can see is when you when you read through this, you can see that like there's one theory that's obviously correct that they came over from Europe because they're using exactly the same thing, and they walked over in the, on at that time. Last ice age was like ten to fourteen thousand years ago, and they were able to come over along kind of uh, what do you call it? Kind of frog hopping from island to island, or walking over the ice bridge from Iberia over the Greenland, over to Canada, New Brunswick, and then down the coast, and because they find the same kind of technology, right. and that's that's that theory. But they're obviously afraid to just advocate it uh, as the the lone theory because uh, you know it's it's so threatening to the semantically correct interpretation, which says Native Americans were here first until the evil white man killed them all off. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, conventional theory being that uh, it came over across Bering Strait <clears throat> on an ice bridge from Asia and settled the Americas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people did that, come over that way, but... but people uh, did come over that way, but the, but, but the technology that they use uh, you know, is mm-hmm. not found in Asia, it's found in Europe. Yeah, yeah, they pull this technology. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I always the thing that was so striking to me was that the Clinton administration on the site where they found Kennewick Man, i.e., the bank of a river in Washington State, they dumped all kinds of soil. They put down some kind of mat, and they dumped a bunch of soil, and then they planted a bunch of trees on it. And the government literally wants to bury you, white man. Bury all traces of you in the history book. They destroyed that whole site from further Mm -hmm. excavation. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about a government that hates facts, that fears facts. It has to have a pretty strong reason. And let me let me just hint to you, it's the same reason they throw guys like uh, Zundel and Germar Rudolph in jail. Mm-hmm. Now they uh, they fear the truth. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're all here in our various ways well, yeah, helping you know, further I mean, is the truth. And, and uh, Ernst Zundel's uh, lawyer, defense lawyer, is now on trial for defending or <coughs> for denying the Holocaust. By defending Zundel, how is that? He can't that, exactly. Yeah. You know, he, he can't even uh, you know get defended without his lawyers being thrown in prison. That that's uh the truth is no defense. That's Sylvia Stoltz, right. I think, is her name. And yeah, yes. Uh, this it's this way with many people in Germany. You know, you, you're threatening the basis of the system, which is built on this lie of the Holocaust. And right. but but I, I'd like to uh, one thing I'm excited about that I I, I really think. <laughs> not just the unraveling of the Holocaust, but the uh, the 911, and you know this is timely to talk about because it's obviously the the five year anniversary of the World Trade Center demolitions of the three buildings there is is coming up in a, just a handful of days, and it seems to me that this has led a lot of people into the movement who might have stayed at the patriotard level, but were honest enough to to understand that. Uh, Physically, it just plain doesn't work. I've been watching Awaken and Avenge. Maybe you guys have seen that. It's a, I don't know who did it. It's a couple-hour documentary, and it just goes right through all the, all the lies. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you got a building. You know, no steel building's ever been knocked down. It comes down in nice thirty-foot segments that are immediately the crime scene is covered up. They ship iron over to Asia to be melted down so that it can't be studied and found that it was blown up with thermate that was stuck in there during the downtimes by the Mossad right. uh, is, is almost surely what happened. And uh, the public well, told I a mean, bullshit cover-up story, but the Internet is... The Internet, thank God for the Internet. 
I, I could you, truly you, say. You just look at the way that those buildings came down. I mean, it's obviously a <laughs> demolition. Yeah, that, that's yeah. no accident. <laughs> You're like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it came down perfectly. I mean, look at like World Trade Center. Yeah. We're going to pull it. You look at the thing. It doesn't deviate hardly an inch. Even the one where the top is crumbling one way, then all of a sudden it just, it just instead of toppling and just falling over, it, it, it slides right back down into that perfect that, that space box or footprint. It's absolutely, it never occurred to me for a minute it was anything other than a, a basically a new Pearl Harbor. That is a, a setup with a little cover story to get us into war. And, and they, they rigged it. And, uh, but I, have you guys seen that movie, Awaken and Avenge? Yeah, I have. And, uh, tell well, us your thoughts on that. I mean, it's, well, I haven't seen the last half hour, but it's. Well, that was done by, uh, a, uh, actually, I, I don't, I don't think he wants to take full uh, well well don't tell okay it. okay it's, it's done know. by a poster on the forum and uh mm-hmm. he 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 posts regularly and uh okay. he did this uh Is that right yeah, yeah. and he's he sent he i found out about it and contacted him and then we hosted it quite a long time i i have yet to put it back up or have stan to put it back up after the move but well, uh yeah i like it quite a bit it, it it's very similar to loose change uh, except that it really uh, clarifies the Jewish role yes. in in all of this, exactly. and uh, and and, uh, and let me let me let me jump in there and make a plug here. Now look now now anybody can get into this and and do this stuff. And you know Byron's full up with his projects, and we got our projects at VNN. Well, this thing we just discussed about who who people the Americas or who who founded the who came first to America. Maybe you listening to this could create a film along those lines. And we got even another one, One Third of the Holocaust, uh, that I still haven't seen yet, which is four hours, you know, talking and basically ripping the thing apart. Let's use these new media to rip the lies apart. And, and that's the way to bring about a political revolution. Okay, I'm, I'm ringing Signet right now. and uh, I'll be back in 15 seconds. Yeah, this is a remarkable here. Let me bring him on. I didn't bring down the... the uh, the server here. This is all the people I can fit in, and so uh, we'll go ahead and talk, fellows, until Signet answers the phone. Okay. Uh, but no, about about this awakening event. I'll, uh, I'll have uh, I'll have Stan put it. I'll have Stan put it uh, uh, up on the forum. It, it's a big. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I keep on calling Signet Garrett, but but Signet is Signet, not Signet is not Garrett. Sorry, Signet. Anyway, uh, oh, the new Skype, uh, Hawthorne tells me the new Skype can handle 100 callers. I don't think my brain can handle 100 callers. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, so, so isn't that funny now? I, I was calling uh, Signet. Signet called me 100 times to get on this, on, this, on this call. He didn't know what he was doing. He's, he's, he's a nice fellow. And then, uh, and then now when I'm, I finally figure out how to call him and get him in there, he's not answering the phone. Anyway, uh, about about this awakening and avenge, uh, yeah, and, and it's a it's a big film. It's it's a big uh, 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 download, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's kind of tough. But um, yeah, it, it, the first first half or so is on uh, on nine eleven, and then what he does is he he brings in the uh, other uh, events uh, like the the bombing of the USS Liberty and uh, and other. Uh, uh, Espion, uh, what, what treacherous uh, actions by the state of Israel, and uh, and then so you can kind of 
put this in context. It's actually a very good film. That'd be a great I, that'd be a great idea if if somehow we get into a situation where we can not only obviously put them on the website but turn them in, into DVDs and um and put them on the uh, VNN uh, shop page. There was a a great um a talk by Mearsheimer and Walt that yeah. was given uh, last month after after the uh, Israeli war with uh, Hezbollah that was posted online, which is really fascinating because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Mearsheimer and Walt actually give the talk, and it's uh, it's online. I think it's in the uh, general uh, discussion forum mm-hmm. or this just in on uh, VNN forum. Yeah, I saw that. It was on there. Uh, they did, it was uh, C-SPAN broadcast. Yeah. yeah, it was on C-SPAN. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. uh, Post was getting nervous. They wrote an article. Old Bank did, and it's funny, boy. The minute you start talking about Jews, they start talking about you. You know, they don't want their little, their cool little racket screwed up. <laughs> they really don't, man. They're making, a, they're getting all kinds of profit and pussy out of it. Believe you me. Well, you know, and they don't want the game upset. What's remarkable is like when people mention the facts, they don't attack the facts; they attack the person. Mm. Exactly. They always do. That. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Absolutely, the left always does that. It never doesn't do that. <laughs> in my, right. my experience as a conservative and a quote Nazi, they also like to, um, particularly. Uh, this is something that uh, Sobran uh, remarked about with Bill Buckley. They like to uh, insinuate that you're mentally ill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're evil yeah. or you're you're diseased. You know that's what yeah. Sobran said about Buckley said about Sobran. A matter perhaps more medical than moral. Yeah, as though, oh, that crazy yeah. guy. He worked for me for 26 years, but then he got a little soft in the head and started applying conservative policies to Israel. And th- th- that was only after you know, um, you know, Sobrin uh, criticizing Israel. Yes, exactly. Legitimately, and then um, well, you know, he got this uh, torrent of abuse, and then he got fired as senior editor from the uh, from National Review. Oh, he he. How and I've I've promoted this before, but the whole story is in how I was fired by Bill Buckley, which you can get for seven dollars. Great at Rockwell. It's fucking great. Yeah, I. Yeah. I uh, if you it, look it's hard, on the internet, actually. Yeah, <laughs> if you look hard enough online, you'll find it. You, you'll find it. Yeah, we we saw that it got online. Hey, I, it, hey, <laughs> folks. Uh, Signet is on the call. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. Sound off the there. <laughs> yeah. Is the mic? Uh, is this correct? Yeah, I think me? you're okay. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Garrett has all the sound equipment, so he's got an like external mixing. What's this thing called? A Tascam soundboard. So um, I could never get this stuff working at my house on my Linux mm-hmm. system, Linux. But uh, anyway, Alex, at the risk of um, absolutely killing the discussion, could we talk <laughs> about biology? Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Well, no, go, no. Go ahead and talk what, what you want to talk about. <laughs> I'm just well, joking. Really, it was really interesting what you said the other week um, because you said that somebody had shown you this little contradiction in the way that you understood this, the story about how evolution is supposed to work, selection. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it was the whole thing about fitness, you know, because we're oh, yeah. defined. Yeah, yeah. Fitness, it, it seems to be circular because fitness is defined yeah. as increasing the frequency of genes in the future, but... Tom, that was from a Tom Bethel essay in which he right. pointed out that it's tautological. Well, or he, he said there's no independent criterion to measure it other than it survived. But go so ahead. That's, I, I, that's not exactly right. If you look at how biologists actually use the ideas, 
You see, mm-hmm. if that was the only thing that fitness meant or adaptation mm-hmm. was to do with how it changes gene frequencies, then it would be tautological. But that's not the only thing we mean by fitness. Because mm-hmm. in different it depends what the story is, you know, if you're looking at a at a bacterium and an environment where it can either digest a certain sugar or it can't, then mm-hmm. the gene that codes for the ability to cleave that sugar and use it for energy is in other words, there's or or the claws, you know, so it could be a story about claws allowing you to climb up a tree or the point is we have ideas of fitness or adaptation that have nothing to do with gene frequency. Okay. Right? And and that's that's what makes it not tautological. That I accept it, a, but I had a Baptist preacher come by, and he told me that God created everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm still I'm still chewing that one over. Uh, now you you may I, I'm sure you're right. I, that, I that was a joke. I think that. Oh no, he actually did. Baptist no, I, I'm not joking. It was actually a, I did have a Baptist come oh. come by, and I talked about it with him for a while. But uh, yeah, he was very insistent. I actually used another Bethel light on him, which is he's he just said. Everything follows these laws, and they, and they never varies, and whatever. I'm like, well, uh, you know, Bethel said, made the point that every everybody has parents. So, you know, have you ever met anyone? You, you told me God created everything follows laws, and God's created everything out of nothing. Well, everything I know has come from some kind of a parent. And so, I thought that well, was a pretty good way to get get at him. But yeah, yeah, yeah I know it's I know it's more complex. But you're sort of grazing against the antinomies there, right? You know, Kant has the the antinomies, it's contradictions. Mm-hmm. Like everything, we have to think that every event had a cause, and yet, then was there our first cause or not? Yeah, it, it's, you know, how do you solve something like that? Well, And that's why I said to him, I said, who created God then? Which is, a, you know, a standard comeback. And, where, anyway, oh, he always um, existed. He's all powerful. Well, I, okay. I really appreciated uh, your mentioning my post on Silent Heights because I thought nobody read it, you know. And well, then, uh, we, the thing is, you know, you know what the thing is. We're trying to we're trying to build a team of people, but as always, there's a limited number of good people out there who have time slash are willing to devote it to doing something. Now, I know you could obviously intellectual blog types can be built up, and and that one we tried to make it appeal to people who aren't cursing all the time or using obscenities, whereas yeah, VNN is pretty much yeah. freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> but yeah. Sure, yeah, right. the, the, as much good stuff as you can write, I guarantee there'll be a market for it. Look, just like I, I linked to that, just like I linked to Kirk Hill Today stuff. How much do you know about um, you know sort of my background? Um, do you, you not too you know much? Who, Why, t- tell everybody who's listening tell about, us about your background yourself. and your interests. Well, I yeah. don't know because I sort of think from Jeff Beck that he doesn't name names about the other places we posted. So I think well, I know some of the background, but I don't you know I don't know. Tell tell people as much as you want them to know. Okay, first of all, I admire you for using your real name. And I actually used my real name on the other blog that I was posting at with Jeff Beck, mm-hmm. and he can, he can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of accidental because I just started up and the guy started using my real name. And I said, well, okay, I'll do it. I'll be public. Yeah. But um, it, because I left, I left there, and Jeff Beck knows something about the reasons why I stopped posting there, at least temporarily. And mm-hmm. uh, I just decided to post under a pseudonym here just because I wanted to be free of the history of the other blog and not, in particular, to hide under a rock sure. like our enemies. Yeah, I understand. I mean, uh, what, but, are the kind uh, of th- what are the kind of things that interest you, Signet? Um, well, uh, a lot of things. Um, a- actually, my, my, I have sort of a weakness for uh, computer graphics, uh, voxel, ray tracing, but 
Um, we can talk about that some other time. But other than that, um, I don't know. I think that the history of, you know, this other place. But is am I right, Jeff, that we're not going to talk about them? By yeah, name? there's no need to. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's no need to because you know, there's just no need to. Well, it's up to you. I mean, we do we do our own thing. We don't yeah, really worry about it. If you if you want to, go ahead. Name them or don't to. I, well, it, it I, doesn't matter really. Is it would it be bad form for me to ever post there again, or is that okay? Oh, you can do what you want. We, we're you. not we're not an organization. Uh, we try to look at it. I look at it from the big small. I mean, we're trying to get as many people talking about this stuff as possible because we're trying to create a world that's going to be worth living in for our posterity, just like the American well, revolutionaries. What? You know, you know how the Jews have. Positions. They take positions all along the spectrum. I mean, they're positions they won't take, but not on the acceptable spectrum, right? They're everywhere. Of course. Okay, of course. so what, what people on our side are doing that, too. We're triangulating, right? So, I mean, you don't really think, I mean... Not here on V&M, no. Well, I, I don't know what he's doing, but I, I would be surprised if he's not taking money from Jews. And, and basically, yeah, he... They if he's on our side, he treats us worse than he treats the Jews and 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 the other people. Well, he, he turned a, he turned down a, a paid advertisement for the Lion of the Sand in his publication. It's like, well, why would you turn down that money? You know, I mean, advertisement doesn't mean endorsing the product. Yeah, I don't understand. But, I don't understand that issue. I don't understand the BNP issue. I mean, because who knows how deep the games are that people are playing. I don't. Well, yeah, that's why we're no Jews just right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know how deep their games are, but I don't know that they're necessarily <laughs> playing for my side. Mm-hmm. That's what worries me. And he Jews have a history of setting up front groups that as right. people come to realize a lot of what we're saying, that conservatism is bogus opposition, then they look for something harder. And what is, what's the first thing they see? Oh, a lot of people go into Amran. Right. And there they learn that, oh, gee, it's just like you know moving one hand in front of the other. They keep drawing them back. So well, that's why people, we have the slogan we do. You know, peer, that was, yeah, 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 that's go go peer, to Michael right? Savage, who uses a lot of like white nationalist rhetoric, but fuses it with like uh, extremely pro-Zionist views. And well, so he's does Jewish. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But Pat Buchanan does exactly the same thing. And and when he yeah. discusses real white nationalists, from whom he takes virtually all of his arguments, he'll he'll call them uh, sick and demented and mm-hmm. twisted. He'll never say that about Jews. You might criticize them occasionally, but it's always, you know, very politely and respectfully. You know, did so you, did everyone who saw that uh, Walt and Mersheimer on, on C-SPAN, did, did you notice and feel the underlying thing in the audience that was going on? Or I didn't see it. No, what, what, yeah, I have to watch it, Alex. And, and, and yeah. I linked to it on the front page, but I didn't Towards, I, I mean, as these two gentlemen are talking, there's an underlying... Uh, feeling the audience when they're mentioning things about the Jews and Jewish power. There's like an underlying murmur in the audience going, ooh, you, we know about that. <laughs> and there seems, to be, there seems to be this thing in society, this underlying fear. I think Solbrand said it, the fear yeah. of the Jews. What? There's this underlying fear, and, and you, but but people know what the hell's going on. But the James, it's so to, bad. They're they're afraid to say the the word yeah. Jew. That's why we always focused on that from day mm-hmm. one at VNN. Is just I would say Jew a thousand times, and people yeah. think you're nuts. But they physically recoil from saying the word Jew. So you have to use it. And Jews don't like to be called Jews either. No. That's another thing. Because it kind of well, gives away you, the game. 
what really what? freaks them out is like if, if he spot a Jew and call him on being a Jew <laughs> when, 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 when they don't tell you, you that they're that they're a Jew. That's that what freaks them out. <laughs> and that's why through if you look and that's why through yeah. history, just before these fuckers got expelled, they all they all got the yellow <laughs> yellow thing yeah. to them. Yeah. I mean, Im- imagine if you have all these panels on Fox News and you force them to wear like a, say, a yellow star, identifying mm-hmm. them as a Jew, and you're like, gee, yeah. you're hardly a disinterested party. Exactly. <laughs> you know? You're sitting yeah. here talking about Israel, you're a goddamn kike. You know, uh, and yeah. three out of the four are. And that's just how yeah. it is in everything, pretty much. And, 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 and we're really you got to hop in. It's like a boarding house with six people and only four states. <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, right, well, you know, are. You know, yeah, somebody's going hungry right. tonight, and it's not me, okay? Back off, I'm going to get here again. Something to add to this, this part of the discussion. Okay, okay. Uh, listen, you may not get to hear from me for a while, because I don't know if I'll ever get this working from my home in Chicago, because I don't have the... Well, what is... You got Skype, right? Well, yeah, but see, I don't use Windows, and... E- what? Does Skype oh, work yeah, well, I, I can I can use it from uh, the daughter's uh, iBook. Skype so. is pretty pretty I easy. Used, really. I used I used uh, I used uh, Skype on Win- I I use Skype on Linux. Oh yeah yeah, uh, look, I'm just saying <laughs> it might be a week or two before I get it set up. Okay. I wanted to say this about the naming the Jew. You know, sometimes they'll announce themselves. What's useful is to figure out things that I can say that make them announce themselves. Mm-hmm. Now I'm. Spending five days out here on the West Coast, and it's just very white in Seattle. It's even whiter where we went yesterday in Westport, just on the on the Pacific Ocean. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun because uh, day before I left Chicago, I thought of a punchline to a riddle that I knew I've been working on, but I I couldn't think of the punchline. And I've been telling it to people out here, and I must say uh, the responses are really interesting. Would you guys like to hear the riddle? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, don't, don't, don't tell us. <laughs> don't keep <laughs> No, don't, don't, don't tell us. Tell me up at the 11 p.m. Okay, go uh, ahead. Sorry. The answer to the riddle will be... How many white nationalists does it take to change the light bulb? How many? Jew wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've only once, I've only once I've gotten the response... I want to know. I'm Jewish. Jew wants to know. <laughs> they will tell you. They will tell you who they are sometimes. But some of them, yeah. From some white of them people, are proud, I get the sense well, that no, not once have I been asked what's white nationalism. I've never heard of that. Hmm. Everybody oh, yeah. seems to, you know, like waitresses get this joke. It's not like highly intellectual. Right. So I think they've heard of us. I, it, I hope stuff's building up. It's hard to see when you're down in the middle, you know, working on it. You, you kind of lose perspective and think Americans just care about. Well, the, 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 there's been, you know, this the, uh, you know, huge, uh, you know, national coverage of like Prussian Blue and April Gaiety. That's uh, true. Know, kind of, uh, you know, and the NSM stuff has probably helped somewhat too because yeah. they're, they're in the news fairly regularly. And I think also just the invading Mexicans is uh, under their yeah. own flag has kind of made people conscious that geez. They yeah. hate me, you know. Right. You yeah, no. Photos. Ordinary people are notice that Mexican invasion stuff, but you know, there's a whole other suite of issues that um, nobody or very few people on the I don't know if you want to call us the radical racialist right talk about that are important and we should start talking about at least among ourselves, if not publicly. 
Mm-hmm. And what are those? What are those? Well, um, actually, there are other people who are talking about these issues, but they don't share our politics. Um, you know the whole thing about peak oil? Yeah. You know the whole thing about global warming? How are uh, peak oil and, and global warming related? Ah, okay. If you if you were on board a ship, say the Titanic, and uh, it was very important to you that a significant number of the other passengers get kicked the hell off, you wanted to like take over. Uh huh. Wouldn't it be of interest to you to know that you were about to hit an iceberg? I mean, doesn't that sort of change the whole politics of what's happening? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so if, in fact, you know, um, if something terrible is about to happen to our little world, uh, then everybody suckling off the tit of the great leviathan that is our economy and pol- political sphere is going to start to go hungry, right? So that's, like, that's important. That should be important for us. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, I suspect that the reason you guys don't talk about it is because you discount it. We've talked well, about I, that I, 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 I to think, some extent, I, I, certainly I, I, I peak think, oil. Yeah. I, well, I think global warming is true, but peak oil is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hanky. Well, okay. Theory. Um, econ- look, do you know how the exponential works? Well, yes. Okay. Can exponential growth continue on a finite sphere? No, it can't. No, okay. of course it can't. Well, Wait a sec. How is money created? The whole way the economy works, as far as I've ever been able to read up on it, it works on growth. Growth is good. Growth is what permits me to lend money and make money because there's more money at the end of the year than there was at the beginning. So I can get back more than I put out. If there's no growth, I don't even know how the economy is supposed to work without continual growth. You know, I I agree with you, Soren, uh, uh, Signet. Excuse me. Oh, you know I, what? How does this uh, relate to uh, peak oil? I mean, you asked about uh, global warming, but uh, you know, obviously, you're working up to something. So, well, I mean, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I have a pretty good idea that something terrible and major is uh, is going to start happening to our world. It mm. well, with the American economy, I agree, especially with the housing bubble. Well, yeah, well that. You know, there's so many things it could be. But I just think we should start talking about it because, look, what's the world population now? Six billion, I think. Six billion. Six billion, six and a half. Okay, what's it going to be in 100 years? Well, who knows? I mean, there could be a, a massive die-off. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, if there's a massive die-off, then does it matter who? Yeah, it matters too. And it certainly should matter to us. I'm thinking there might be, yeah. Because it doesn't uh. look like 6 billion is a sustainable population. No, it, it, it's unsustainable. <clears throat> and basically, you know, the, the, the reason for this uh, population growth is, is all the uh, food aid and medical aid given from the West to the Third World. Um, so Mr. Uh, Mr. Warren Buffett giving Africa how many millions? Oh, you know, I am so disappointed in Mr. in Warren Buffett. After all the good things we've gotten from him, because personally, you know, let's just say those those shares are worth a lot if you bought them in the 60s and sold them in the 90s. And 
and it has something to do with the course of my life. And I, Warren Buffett, was, I always thought he was great. But to be friends with, uh, with Bill Gates, I mean, that's like Kubrick being friends with Spielberg. I mean, I know they were both Jewish, <laughs> but let's face it, Kubrick was good and Spielberg was hack. So I could never well, figure out uh, why. Well, I, you know... Come on, you know why. It's because he has the whole Jewish media complex supporting his films. Well, you know, Cooper, you know, turned out some shape films as well, so did, uh, you know, Spielberg, too. What? No, no, no. Kubrick, did you ever read Yggdrasil's uh, reviews of Kubrick's films? Well, I read his one, uh, his one review of A Clockwork Orange. Um, yeah. He, he I haven't read all of should, them. Yeah. He, Yggdrasil claims that Kubrick actually demonstrates in his films, he sort of, in a covert way, he talks about the whole JQ in the film. Well, you know, Dr. Pierce talks about that, too. And apparently, I don't know, the uh, the writer that Kubrick worked with on Eyes Wide Shut <clears throat> wrote a, a posthumous slander piece on, on uh, Kubrick, or maybe it was true. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I mean, Kubrick's kind of a, a, a weird character, but I mean, basically he said that uh, Kubrick was a, was a self-hating Jew at one moment, but at the next moment, he would be, you know, just, uh, we're two Jews against the world. We've got to fight. And um, yeah, but who knows? Maybe we can't agree on Kubrick, but we can certainly agree on Spielberg. He's a horrible hack. Yeah, two, he is. Two great, uh, two great writers who, quite recently, their movies have been made into blockbusters, J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, Yeah, who are, who are British, by the way. Right. Mm. And uh, I have a great story about Tolkien, uh, if you want to hear it. Yes, please. J.R. Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis worked together at Oxford University. And Tolkien, (coughs) um, there was a gentleman by the name of A.K. Chesterton, and he was a a nationalist in Great Britain. And he had a magazine called Candor, C-A-N-D-O-U-R. Tolkien had... Issue number one until the final issue of that magazine. A.K. Chesterton was the first chairman of the National Front in Great Britain. Hmm. Tolkien and Lewis used to walk down this canal uh, at lunch at Oxford University and they would postulate how could they confront the dire, even even in the 30s, the dire, um, you know, the dire need for white western civilization to awake and to fight the hordes Tolkien and Lewis said well basically the reason and how we can do this is to put the to put the, the west dire consequences into a fantasy setting mm-hmm. and bring it to the people that way in our books by allegory and and also I think it was also Tolkien ultimately who brought about uh, C.S. Lewis's conversion to Catholicism yeah. yeah, but they were both. Both of them were nationalists. Mm-hmm. They were, and, and you know, I, that word. when I watched the the Lord of the Onion Rings, or Lord of the Rings, <laughs> excuse me, when I watched the Lord of the Rings, and of course I read the book before. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm convinced that only an only an, an Aryan could 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 create something so creative and imaginative yeah. as Lord of the well, Rings. Of course, I mean, I mean, I mean, Tolkien's. Uh, you know, Tolkien's uh, specialty, <coughs> for lack of a better term, was was in it was in Old Norse language and Old Norse mythology. Yeah. And so, of course, mm-hmm. he based the Lord of 
the Lord of the Rings on that Old Norse mythology, on the Eddas. You know, I hadn't seen Lord of the Rings an, until about a month or two ago, and I watched all three episodes in succession. And um, I was the thing that really, I know this is very base, but the thing that really shocked me was there was not a single nigger in the show. Yeah. Well, the orcs. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are niggas, yeah. But there was no, there was no like Denzel Washington uh, screwing yeah. the blonde girl. The, the, the they, 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 they could have made Aragorn, you know, a nig, but uh, yeah. they didn't. Luckily, <laughs> you know, um, Tolkien Tolkien once said that uh, he was playing around with the idea of uh, constructing an artificial language. You know, not for fiction, but actually, you know to get people to maybe adopt and speak. But he said, actually, he couldn't do a better job than Zamenhof did with Esperanto. Mm. And um, actually, I think, given that Esperanto was developed by a Jewish eye doctor uh, for purposes of sort of mondialism, one world peace, integration, all that stuff, I think it would be hilarious to um, integrate Esperanto somehow into, like, you know, racialist fascism. But that's beside the point. Hey, uh, I don't suppose you guys are into that. It is a little beside the point, but I tell you what, I'm getting a little upset that everyone I encounter that's an alien is speaking English. And I, I wish we had our own language as whites uh, and our own tongue. And, uh, and English would have been a fine one, but now English has become the global trash language. Well, you can't tell me that, that like, niggers speak English. Well... No. It, it's it's, it's not English. It's, it's the global trash language. You know. You know. Uh, what the, I just. Yeah. You know. What, you know what the koine was. The koine. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was a form of Greek that was spoken all through the Mediterranean at one time. Right. And and what I'm saying is English. This uses the term English with a great deal of uh, uh, imprecision. Uh, English has now become kind of the koine. It's become. Yeah, the, the the global trash language uh, to update the term, and and you know I I can understand these niggers most of the time and and other and uh, and this Mexican trash and the Spanglish and the and all this crap, but I don't I don't like hearing it. Uh, I don't like it being considered my language. Uh, I don't like a lot. I don't like uh, having a foreigner uh, have an accent like mine. Like mm. you know I don't I don't like hearing some Indian. That that has a Midwestern accent. I take great offense at that, uh, and just like I wouldn't want to hear a Southerner uh, with a nice Georgia accent or something like this or Arkansas accent, you know, have have him be a Pakistani. Uh, I find that absolutely revolting. Here's something uh, for you. Here's yeah. something for here's something for everybody here, which is really uh, off off the board, as they say. We have um, in the United Kingdom right now. We have a sort of a uh, a separation of the UK vis-à-vis uh, -vis the, the Scottish people had their own parliament and they're feeling more independent and they're feeling more Scottish and the Scottish language is, is being revived, the Celtic Scottish language is being revived. In Ireland, the Celtic language is, is obviously is on the up and revived. Even Cornwall, the uh, small yeah. little dependency, is finding their, they've just found their flag after centuries, and the Cornish language is making a great comeback. England, the English people have found the St. George flag and uh, are once again being proud to be English within the framework of the United Kingdom. But what's happened is these people who uh, you know, are 
reveling in the newfound language again are still inviting the third world in yeah. and they, they have this mindset that they can come in and be Scottish, that they can come in and be Irish, they can come in and be English and they can come in and be Cornish. It's absolute crap. As I said before in an wow. earlier uh, program, just what, because what, what, just what, because what, you put a nigger in a kilt doesn't make him a Scotsman. Right. All he is is a and, nigger in a kilt. And, and and this is all being promoted by like you know, um, who you are is determined by what passport you carry. I mean, th- there are Jews, you know, over in Japan, agitating, uh, you know. To become Japanese, you know, and okay. after they get the, after they get their Japanese, you know, citizenship and they're carrying a Japanese passport, they're like, you know, teaching these young Japanese kids that like, well, you know, being Japanese isn't about culture. It's not about blood. It's only about what color passport you carry. Yeah, it just seems to me. Also, I mean, all these revivals of uh, of culture in no. Scotland and Ireland and Cornwall oh, I, 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 and I even England. Alex, it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. not. Hello, it's not, Hello, it's, not yeah. a, it's not a true racial. Yeah, we have a question here yeah. from another uh, listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my uh, beautiful sixteen-year-old uh, daughter. She turned sixteen this week. Has actually a question. She was asking me about something that you guys were saying, and oh, yeah. uh, I was wondering if. She could ask it, and you could answer it. I will try. Okay. All right. Uh, you can call her N Snooks. N Snooks. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you're talking about the languages and how you wish you had a different language that whites could speak. Bring back that Latin. Helps. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Just now, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that that well, was uh, actually that was uh, that was me. Uh, Jeff who was asking that. So. Okay. Well, then I'm asking him, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, if the, one of the points of white nationalism is to kind of become as powerful as the Jews are now in society. So wouldn't you want to not be really exclusive with the language and really draw people in and, well, become as, like, assimilated into every culture as you can as the Jews? Uh, no, I give you a no, short no, answer no. to that. It, it, we want to, it's, it's the more languages you have, the better. And especially what Jewish retailers would do, different times they would have like their prices in English and then when sucker customers came in they would talk in Yiddish among themselves it's good to have more than one bolt hole yeah what I was getting at uh, look uh, isolation may be uh, 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 an avenue we need to take but that's not what I was referring to I was referring to the fact that we uh, as whites have to have a sort of um, a cultural reference that is unique to ourselves and uh, at least in the United States, uh, we have lost our own exclusive identity, uh, and 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 we now have, uh, have universalized ourselves to the point where where we don't have any sort of identity of our own. And one way of doing that is is to develop a language. Now, one just doesn't develop a language, right? And uh, and and you know, out of thin air. Uh, it, it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah. But, uh, well, the only one person has done it, Zamenhof. Yeah, and, and uh, it didn't work yeah. very well. And so, no, Esperanto's great. Have you ever looked at it? Uh, no, I I mean, I think William Shatner did a film, but it didn't sell very well. 
So, <laughs> no, I mean... Listen, the Koreans are really into Esperanto. There's more native speakers, native speakers of Esperanto, or at least more uh, fluent speakers of Esperanto than there are speakers of Icelandic. Look, look, my, my, my point about it is we have to have a way of uh, talking amongst ourselves uh, as whites and, and, and communicating ideas and concepts uh, that, you know, are that are understood by us uh, in, a, in a way that is kind of unique and special to us. I mean, like, you know, it, it, you know as you know, it, we, I've, I've studied other languages. I never mastered one, but I studied French and, and German. And, uh, you know, it takes a you, you can learn the mechanics of the language, but it takes a long time to learn the connotations of words and the subtleties of the language. And, and unfortunately, so many aliens have have inserted themselves into our language and our culture that you know they they they're they're too familiar with us and uh and we need to have some sort of cultural separation from them uh you know uh for our own good or we'll be bred out and destroyed well we should re- revive anglo-saxon speak amongst ourselves well i mean to me i mean i mean if you're going down that road as a uh, People of white Western civilization, obviously the uh, Latin language, that was our language in centuries past. But we don't mm-hmm. have enough time. There, th- look, there isn't enough time for us to be bred out. There isn't enough time for Matt Nunke's ideas about using eugenics. And, uh, you know, he, he has uh, a lot of these ideas. He, I, I heard that from him. The first Somebody brought this up on this show earlier tonight about having communities, maybe religious communities, yeah. Of our own, you know, where we live together. That's my raise. idea. Right, but we don't have time to raise another generation. No, we do have time for that. No, I, I think, look, we might not. We're living at the end of history. I don't, I don't accept that. I, I mean, I mean, look. I, I don't I, agree with that either. I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't see that happening, but I. Uh, there's hundreds of years left the, at the, at the way we're going. There's not hundreds of years left, but I mean, it, I mean, we do really have to start consolidating ourselves look, in, look, in, into specific, specific areas to to affect change. You know, we have to. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. I don't. I don't. When people talk about, well, in a hundred years it's going to be such and such. Well, we no, don't have a hundred years left. We have like no. maybe fifty years left, and so within the next fifty years, we have to start doing that. What, what I what I think Sigmund's talking about, he's you're talking about some no. sort of apoco- apocalyptic environmental event, right? Um, what has anybody besides me on this call ever read dieoff.org, Jay Hansen's site? Yeah, I, yeah, I, we had Kievsky linked to that. We've t- we have talked about that stuff to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Um, exactly what and exactly when, but I think that we at least ought to talk about this stuff among ourselves because, yeah, I think we're really fucked. I think we're looking right down the barrel, and I think that's an opportunity. That's we in the larger sense than we, just us guys. Mm-hmm. If we're going to win, we're going to have to win during the collapse, right? I mean, there's things that could be done, right? So that civilization, you know, but the but either way, we got to keep developing along the lines that we're that we're going right now on, no, on every front. A race that, if, if I can interpret it, a race that brought you got that brought you Plato, that brought you Julius Caesar, that brought you the great, you know, the great minds of 
of our white kind. Our civil, yeah. the, the, the white race isn't going to go down. Look at Katrina. After Katrina, the white neighborhoods had no problem. They simply organized among themselves and got their guns and got their water and were cool. But the niggers went to shit. (laughs) So, but um, I agree with James Hawthorne about the 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 great the great uh, the wonderful history that we have and the uh, special individuals who have made that history. Um, You guys know, by the way, what my motto is. I have a motto. I have no a dog. Jewish, right? What? I have no a dog. Jewish. No, I have a motto. It's in Latin. Signus Interanates. That's where I got signet. Okay. And, well, and, and, uh, and, and that means? Swan among ducks. Okay. Pretty That's arrogant, funny. isn't it? What? Swan among ducks. You know, like the Hans Christian Andersen story. Mm-hmm. The ugly duckling. Yeah. Well, you got to live up to it. Listen, thanks a lot. I've had a wonderful time on this call. I hope I haven't dominated or... Um, no. Was anybody listening to us besides us, by the way? Yeah, there's there's quite a few listeners. Yeah, yeah. we have some, definitely. Oh, the other thing, and I'll I'll mail uh, you guys about this later. Uh, I, there's some new software that's going to be out. Uh, there's a university in Texas that's putting it out. You know what BitTorrent is, right? Yep. Yes. Well, they're, they've developed a server... Um, if you're actually going to share stuff over BitTorrent, not just download, you have to now you have to have a tracker and develop seeds, and it's confusing for people. But they've actually developed one where all you have to do is drag files into a folder, and they automatically get started as torrents and shared. That's cool. All White right. genius. White genius again but strikes again. The other thing is, they have a BitTorrent for streams they're developing. Mm-hmm. So, so what does this allow people to exchange movies more easily? Probably, but what, from your point of view, what it would allow people to do is, remember this, the strength of BitTorrent is that lets people who are downloading also use their upload capacity. So that uh, if you think about the source of the stream, it doesn't take all the hit. Mm-hmm. The stream can multiply as it goes out. So people can, you know, can upload as they're downloading. So they can mm-hmm. upload to other people. Okay. Okay. Well, look, this will, this will look. And, and they can watch what they're downloading too, right? I mean, what? streaming BitTorrent, they can watch what they're downloading in real time. Yeah, I'll send you guys a link to this. I think I think it'll be very, it'll be really good. But um, yeah. okay. Well, look, I've uh, Sigmund, I've got I got Craig, so I'm gonna have to let you go. Go. No, please do let me go because I, I have to. I have to go. I hope I we'll look for you at talking. Sunlit Heights, and thanks for coming on, and, and your right. daughter too. Nice to meet you, Alex. Yeah, nice and, to meet you. And Jeff Beck. All right. And Byron Jost and James Hawthorne. I was very, very honored to be among you, gentlemen. We'll do it Bye. again oh. soon. Great, come back. We plan to go. Li- we'd like to go live every day if we could, and maybe we'll get there uh, in a couple months. But at least uh, several days a week, I hope. I, I, I just want to know if we can find topics and if I'll be able to think of original oh, things to say. Oh, we got we got oh. topics of plenty. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> no, no, come to think of it. When you're dealing with the Jews, it just never ends. <laughs> how, how many national Bolsheviks does it take to change the light bulb? How many? Patience. The time for action <laughs> will come. We must not disturb the beast while it still feeds. <laughs> All hey, right. our conference? <laughs> when are we going to have a conference? Well, I, don't, like I, don't a, I don't know. I don't know, Soren. Meeting? 
Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, that's been talked about for when we had a backer a few years ago, and we were getting a little closer to thinking about something like that. But it's it's not a bad idea if it could be done right. But there, there's always the problem of organizing the thing. Lots of work involved. And whether it would be just uh, like inside people or whether it would be for the public also. But there, there has oh, to be the public be damned. The ADL. There has to be something set up that that opposes the ADL. Hmm. Um, it mirrors it effectively. Oh, the public be damned. That. We're elitists. We don't need the public. Okay, good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Okay, let me pull in Craig. Craig's. Uh, let me ask, Byron. Do you have any links on that thing you were talking about in Japan? Um, no, I sure. That was um, from a story I heard on NPR about uh, two uh, years you know, ago. I, yeah, I've seen little bits of that. I've seen them attack it, but I've never seen them go that yeah. far. Well, if you if you come across well, that, send me it. Hey, Skype, Garrett. Please. Garrett, I'd like was, to write about that. It was Garrett. Story. Hold on, hold on a second. Uh, uh, okay. Signet, you need to drop. You need to hang up your call. Oh, sorry. I thought you guys were going to do that. Oh, no, yeah, you okay. do that. Hit the red button. Okay, right. Okay. Here it is. Bye. I got my finger on the trigger. Okay. I'm looking for barrel. Okay. Goodbye, cruel world. Pink oil. Okay, now I can get crazy. Yeah. So, well, this uh, thing about Japan was uh, something I heard about two the, years ago. There's, you know, I've seen the Washington Post write about how they have to have immigrants there to, to save yeah. Japan because of its age. Right. Population. Well, you know, Japan has a low birth rate, so therefore they have yeah. to embrace uh, third world immigration to, uh, it, it, it's yeah. the same argument they use everywhere else. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's bogus. I mean, populations ebb and flow. They grow and they shrink. And yep. Nothing. Okay. okay, Craig's online. Hello, Jeff. Okay. Uh, Craig and everyone. Hey. Anyway, sorry, sorry. For... Go on about Japan or whatever. Sorry about that. Well, it was just a story I heard a couple of years ago. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's about this Brooklyn Jew who emigrated to Japan and got Japanese citizenship and carried a Japanese passport and married a Japanese woman and had, like, two hybrid kids. And uh, he couldn't. And, and there were places uh, uh, in Japan that um, had signs up front that said, you know, no foreigners allowed. And apparently, you know, these are pretty common uh, throughout Japan. And and you know, being the Jew that he was, he just uh, you know made a big fuss about it. And he's like, "Well, I'm not a foreigner. I have a, I have a <laughs> Japanese passport. My kids have Japanese passports." I'm, him, they wouldn't accept his kids, and so he started, you know, teaching, like, you know, kindergarten, or, you know, grade school, or whatever it is there, and, you know, it was this big story about, you know, how he taught kids, uh, well, well, is, is being Japanese really about blood, is it really about culture, and, uh, and he's like, well, you know, in the end, you know, you know, they realized that being Japanese is, you know, it, it's only the color of your passport. You know, yeah. that's it, and, and and they do it everywhere that they go. Every yeah, everywhere they go, they want to destroy yeah. a nice, working, functional, homogenous nation. Right. Carl Van Wolferen, who who wrote the Enigma of Japanese Power, I believe he's Dutch, and he lived in Japan so long, and he understood the culture so thoroughly that he stated in one part of his book, I think in the preface, that 
when he was on the telephone, his Japanese was so flawless that uh, ethnic Japanese could not tell he was not Japanese. Well, they start going off on white people. <laughs> yeah, I think in some cases there were uh, anecdotes like that he related, but you really have to admire the racism and, and the uh, of the Japanese people for their own people. Of uh, if whites could copy that, or even uh, copy How that in Jews, but they don't want to copy Jews in Japanese. Yeah. Marx or Freud or, or Jesus. How could they do it? I guess. Yeah. I'd say I have a, I have a lot of respect for the Japanese, and you know who else did? Uh, Pierce. Pierce more than once mentioned he had a lot of respect for the Japanese. Well, yeah, they're very civilized um, people. Read read that Mike Rogers at LewRockwell.com writes about how in many ways they're more advanced by far than America, and at least politer and quieter. Yeah. They make things with nicer. value added, which is more than Jews and uh, niggers do. Mm-hmm. But it, but it wasn't too long ago when you know America was more advanced than uh, Japan. We've just been. You know, that's a, that's an Japanese interesting. stuff was actually considered shoddy up until yeah. maybe late seventies. Yeah. yeah, they learned that from the war, that quality control, and from, uh, who was that, Deming? The, the Edwards American? Deming, yeah. I used yeah. to write about that. <laughs> they they learned, oh, what was it, just in time and the quick response manufacturing and uh, uh, total quality management and a number of buzzwords. But he, he they learned a lot from, yeah, the white guy, and they, they, they perfected his methods. That's how it totally seems to me Kwan's, Kwan's are unwilling to take the learning curve on about anything, whether it's public education oh, or... Well, How far can well, a nigger get down a learning curve? I mean, you know. I mean, you know, we used to originate. You know, we used to invent technology, and you know, the, you know, the Japanese kind of um, perfected the uh, you know the manufacturing. Feel it, take it apart, it. figure out how it's engineered, and, and then do it but, better but, and cheaper. We're not even doing that. We're not manufacturing or inventing really anything well, anymore. Byron, I can tell you why it is. Look, oh. look at the take take a alumni mag from. Pretty much any college, and they interview like some of the top departing seniors. And they all want to be lawyers. Yeah. You know, they don't want to go into engineering or, or do anything right. uh, interesting or, or hard. They want to be a lawyer and get rich. But yeah, it's because it's steal, open steal money income. from other people. Unlike in engineering, yes. And, and that's that's how we've come to think. You know, everyone wants to be in entertainment or journalism or being a lawyer or, or some other actor or some other face type type thing, mm-hmm. rather than you know. Rather than being an engineer, you actually have to learn something before you do it. Right. Anyone could be a damn journalist. You know the thing well, about I mean, the thing the thing that you know gets me, and I know we're all aware of that on this on this call is is that is this concept of human quality. And you know, one thing the Japanese may have not uh, been as technically proficient in their industrial techniques before, like World War One or something like this. Although they were not slackers, uh, but uh, uh, compared to the many other races. Uh, you know, I, I I think even back then you you could see that within their within their civilization they did have a a notion of human quality. They had some very good traits, and uh, and you know they may not have had all the the bells and whistles we had in in you know the United States, uh, but uh, you know they they were you know they they were a very you know they they had there was a lot of human quality there. There's potential in them, and yeah, they yeah. Are, they're very honorable people. I mean, mm-hmm. honor has always been, you know, kind of a central part of Japanese culture. And they were mixed with white people, the Ainu from, uh, I guess, Hokkaido and, and North I, Island. There. To pick up on what Soren 
or what uh, Signet said about this God of growth, you know, oh, we've got to grow. Well, that's part of the reason or the excuse for bringing in all these Mexicans. We've got to keep growing the economy so we can give yeah. create more and more fake money to give to more and more fake Americans to buy brand new houses. Give them, give them credit. The banks are giving credit to illegal aliens. Is that fucked up or what? That's crazy. To buy overvalued houses. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, a starter home in California is like about 400,000 bucks. That's right. You know, you know, you, you know, if you're earning twelve bucks an hour or eight bucks an hour, how, how the hell can you you know afford to buy that? That's why but one of my sure, friends but, left. But, but, my friend was a was in construction out there, and that's why he left because he realized he yeah. would never own a house out there. Yeah, but Working but they're giving loans to these people, you know, to, you know, to buy four hundred four hundred thousand dollar houses, you know, earning eight bucks an hour. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, this is. We got four hundred thousand dollars here in houses here in Kirksville. Yeah, and and it's the same thing. I mean, the wage rates. Believe me, it's worse than California out here. Oh yeah, of course. Six seven bucks an hour. Seven bucks an hour. Seven to eight bucks an hour, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. out in like you know, bumfuck California, a starter house, a starter house is four hundred grand. Did you guys see the George Carlin interview in which he's talking about these wage rates, and he says uh, you're working for shit and. It's, it's oh yeah, pretty entertaining. Yeah. Well, Craig, I I I don't know if you guys have read John Taylor Gatto, which I mentioned in relation to that clip, but he's a guy who has written extensively about the progressives who came in and remade American education, and almost word for word, he's saying what uh, Carlin was saying, including the not naming the Jews and the just talk about corporations, but saying that essentially corporations combined with the government to create a school system that would produce cog workers who were not independent, intelligent critical thinking individuals, but rather people who get used to responding to a whistle and doing what they're told and being passive. And that way neutralize competition for the top economic and political spots. And you can see how that feeds directly into the Jewish political control mechanism. Speaking of yeah. that, I, I just researched uh, It's Molecular was commenting about the control of HUD for the tribe and I looked it up and uh, this Keith, I believe it's Keith E. Godfried, who's a kike and he married one named Glasser or Goldwasser, pardon me, and, uh, you know, he, he's a Jew, and he's the legal counsel of HUD, and I remember the trouble that VNN uh, has had, you know, that they'll they'll try to come in and use HUD aspects to uh, make trouble. Well, in other words, yeah, HUD's they, one they, way that they... I, they I know my father, he owned properties, and he and my grandfather built them uh, in the late 60s, and, you know, they thought the luxury apartments he used to rent to Walter Cronkite's mother, and and then... Uh, the federal government entered the market and just collapsed it, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, they showed me some units, and they let these old negresses move in, and they're really, really nice. They look like kind of colonial style or something. And, and there they are. They make sure that the, they, have, they have a little nut house in the neighborhood, you know, a little, you know, <laughs> yeah. Burger King-sized nut house. And then they got the, 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 the niggers in the uh, housing. It's just amazing what's going on or, it's already happened. It's all over. And, and, and so they over. get a double benefit of politically, they they control the whole thing, and they can essentially chase whites from block to block and benefit mm -hmm. off the collapsing and the fluctuating real estate prices on both sides, and harassing the whites politically by sticking these useless niggers amid them, and make money. Wow. They win. They make money off of harassing us politically. Mm -hmm. 
I hadn't thought about the real estate aspect. Of how they make sure they do. What, sure, the, the Mexicans come into the core of the city uh, along yep. with the niggers, and using HUD funds, they push the whites out, and then they start sticking the nigger encampments in mixed-income areas and, and pushing the whites out of that. Mm-hmm. And believe me, even the whites who are on HUD are, are generally not very desirable types. I uh, knew a, I knew a 